Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. It is a, well, it was a beautiful sunny day, and now it's a terrible, ugly, cloudy day, and everyone's going to suffer for it because I am cloudy and angry as a result. Should be a good pit. Grr. Also joining me is my equally lovely co-host, Eric Van Allen. We love a cloudy day. We love, you, you sleep in. It's a lazy Sunday. It's a great day. It's just been going on for weeks. Sunshine on a cloudy day. It's been raining like crazy here in California, which is not something I've experienced basically ever since moving here. Uh, but I mean, at least the drought's over, question mark. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> the we, end? The end. <laughs> also joining us is our special guest. Joining us for the very first time is Daniel Elba from... Uh, good vibes games. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's I was excited to be invited to join the Axe of the Blood God. Thank you so much. Do you get asked about the Barcelona player very often, Danny Alba? I, I don't actually. I get more asked about Jessica Alba if, if I'm related to her, and I say she's my cousin. Oh. And some people believe me, some people don't. But it's always <laughs> funny when they do. <laughs> I love that kind of shit. It makes me laugh. I saw your name, and I wanted to make sure I got it right because I was like. That's just the Arsenal or the the Barcelona player. Anyway, I apologize. That's a soccer thing. Uh, Daniel's here with us this week because we're going to be talking about Honkai Star Rail, the gotcha game that is from the developers of Genshin Impact. They've done a bunch of other Honkais, but this one got the most attention because of Genshin, and it's already skyrocketed to like 20 million downloads or something crazy. 20 million downloads like a day? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Very crazy. And uh, and that's before it even hits. That's before it even hits console. Like it is still on mobile at the moment. So we'll be talking about that one. Uh, it's especially interesting to us because it's a turn-based game. And this is a great opportunity to talk about gotchas in general and how they've found their niche in a subgenre uh, of the RPG experience, uh, for better or worse. But sometimes for worse, we shall sometimes see. For capital W, worse. <laughs> Capitalism, everybody. Before we get to that, uh, thank you so much for listening to the episode. If you enjoy it, please leave us a review on the podcast of your choice. It brightens our day. It helps the visibility of the show. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore cap on Nadia's at Nadia Oxford and Eric is at Seamosi, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And Daniel, you're our special guest. Tell us where can we find you? Promote some things. Sure. Um, well, I'm the graphic artist, the art director for Good Vibes Gaming over on YouTube. Um, they're a group of people who you may know from, they're like alumni from the old channel at Game Explain. Uh, Ash Paulson, Derek Bittner, Steve Bowling, John Cartwright, and my friend Brandon Miracle, who's their video editor. Uh, we do all a bunch of mostly, mostly Nintendo related videos over on YouTube. Um, I've been a part of all, we have a weekly podcast as well, uh, the GVG cast on Friday. And I've been doing more video pr- uh, production for them, too. So I've been doing, like, you know, every now and then we have, like, a whole week of Zelda content coming up this week. But, yeah. Who doesn't at this point? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just We're just part of the trend now. <laughs> My husband and I listen and watch a lot of Good Vibes gaming content. And Ash has been on the show many, many times. Uh, I've yeah. done panels with panels with them many many times i'm like still the baby of the channel i'm trying to have my make sure my quality is up to par with them uh constantly but uh they're always very chill and very nice about it so i'm, I'm just kind of happy to be a part of that crew they're they're such good people we're here to, to whip you into shape but so far you're doing great <laughs> i hope so <laughs> 
Truly, Ash and John Cartwright are two of my favorite people, and it's a it's a great yeah. mm-hmm. it's a great crew in general. Um, if also if you're enjoying and uh, enjoying the podcast and you want to support us, we're on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/BloodGodPod, where for just one dollar you can get an ad free version of the show and tons of bonus content. The summer of Korra, it's on, baby! It's getting Heck started. Yeah. This week, we're going to be talking about the first three episodes a little later, and we're going to have a special wrap-up episode available exclusively for our patrons at the end of the month. And we also are doing our Pantheon of the Blood God episode about Final Fantasy V next month, and we just did one for The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past in preparation for the release of Tears of the Kingdom. And hey, for all you Xenoblade Chronicles 3 sickos, we're doing a full-blown limiters off spoiler episode very soon. So please look forward to that. We're not going to spoil Ooh. the DLC though, because I don't think Eric and Nadia have played it, but no, no, by no, all not accounts, yet. apparently the DLC is like it's like Fan- the highest rated thing to come out this year. Fan- been fantastic. Things, yeah. It is fantastic. Huge. Yeah, I, I want to play it, but I'm kind of on a I'll, I'll talk about what I am playing, but I'm kind of trying to get my Adrenaline down for Zelda. So I, what I, one of my favorite things to do is actually play an indie game before a huge release. So that's what I'm doing now. But I will definitely be doing the DLC sometime down the road in the, this year. Because, yeah, apparently it's fantastic. I love this company. It's just like, okay, here's a great game. Oh, here's a follow-up to the great game. Thank you. And finally, thank you to our stars of Destiny who are joining us live this week. And this week we have Amy, Anthrax Bees, Azixa, Drew RWX, exclusively Lex, JB, Kellel, Not Hollow, Nuclear Sandwich, Sardin, and Spirus. I'm sure that the chat is going to be going off pretty soon. We shall see. All right. It's time now to talk about what we have been playing, our sacrifices to the blood god. And since, Daniel, you're new to these parts, what you been playing? Well, aside from the topic of, the, of our discussion today i was playing a lot of what we were just uh, talking about xenoblade chronicles 3 the uh, future redeemed because i'm a huge fan of the whole trilogy i played all the games in these chronicles except for x because nintendo apparently doesn't want to yeah. port that to, <laughs> to the yeah. switch but um but yeah I, I i think it's fantastic obviously i won't spoil anything but if you've been a fan of xenoblade chronicles since the beginning this is for the fans this is like the definition of fan service in dlc and probably my favorite um dlc i've ever played in a game it's it's its own game it might be xenoblade chronicles 4 i don't know at this point (laughs) but uh it's just the the length of it is a bit shorter than you know your typical rpg yeah i heard it was like 20 hours 20 ish it it feels like it should be longer than that but it, it does tell a nice concise story that's nice and digestible at least oh good good it's mm-hmm. uh, meaty, at least. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's It stars like Shulk and, and Rex, right? It's got the protagonist from the previous two Xenoblades in there as party characters, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you control another main character, and then there's other, other characters that are kind of like related to Rex and Shulk in certain ways, um, in certain, like, you know, we find out through the story. Um, yeah. But yeah, Rex and Shulk are like the main selling point for previous fans, that they're older and uh, the, the, it's just the mystery of why are they here? How are they? How do they relate mm-hmm. to the grand scheme of Xenoblade Chronicles Three and mm-hmm. how it all connects? And I, I think it's a very satisfying way that they tell it. That's good. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Are we Xenobladed? Have we have we done the Xenoblade? In <laughs> the done. sense of like, uh, have we all brought it all together, or are there going to be more Xenoblade Chronicles? Will there be a four? 
these are <laughs> they the um producer the the developers have said that this is the end of like this arc of the story yeah. but they they definitely want to keep the Xenoblade Chronicles story going forward so there might be like a new arc um from here and there definitely will be because of how much success and quality that this series has shined with throughout the years Eric, you're playing a non-RPG right now, and God, I'm sorry. Redfall, how's that going I, for you? I played past tense. The The work is done. The The act is finished. Um, yeah. Was it as bad as everybody? I feel like this is a dog pile situation. No, it can be. it's not. Oh, it's, that's too bad. It, is it that it bad? Is, it's, it's not good. Um, so for those at home, uh, Redfall is the latest from Arcane Austin, um, a branch of Arcane. Uh, you might know Arcane for its work in, especially in the immersive sim genre, uh, stuff like Dishonored, Prey. Uh, I would not, I, I know some people would say Deathloop here, but Deathloop was Arcane Leon, which they're Leon studio. So um, I, I think like Dishonored and Prey, especially Prey, are two very relevant uh, games to bring up because. Redfall is a co-op or solo. You can play it solo, um, but I say co-op because I think a lot of the game is designed with playing multiple people, uh, having a party. Uh, and it, it is set in the town of Redfall, which has been overrun by vampires. And it wants to be, they say this on the Steam page, an immersive shooter. Um, it isn't very good as an immersive sim. Let me put it that way. Um, when you think of immersive sims, you think of games that give you things to interact with. You know, you can uh, change the world. You can uh, do things differently. There are different avenues of approach. There are ideas of that at times in the main missions of Redfall. But largely, this is a world that is more of a shooter Uh and a very straightforward shooter. The stealth is kind of broken because the enemy AI stealth detection is broken. Uh, you've probably seen video clips of people just standing next to an enemy and they're like, well, I think there's something up over here. <laughs> I think something's going on. And they're like standing within sight lines the of an Skyrim ass AI. And, and the whole idea is that vampires have overrun the town. You've got three different factions. You've got this, you know, the vampires themselves who are kind of, supposed to be very scary and intimidating and you have to you know, they they take a little bit more to kill because you stun them with bullets and then you got either like stake them or burn them or, or use like uv light to turn them to stone and then sh shatter them uh which is cool until you realize that the vampires are kind of easy to kill overall like they're not very difficult to kill they're just kind of like tankier melee units and then you've got uh cultists who uh are following the vampires for whatever reason, hoping, you know, they're simping for the vampires to try and become a vampire themselves. Uh, and they have the aim of a stormtrooper. And <laughs> then you've got uh, the PMC bellwether security who is brought in by like, I, I don't really care about spoilers for this game. Uh, it like, like who is brought in by the Theranos, like, uh, firm that becomes vampires and <laughs> wants to destroy the evidence that they've become vampires. It doesn't really hold what? up under scrutiny, but they they want evidence of what they've done uh, destroyed. So they bring in a PMC that's going to wipe out the evidence at some point. But then also like the PMC is just kind of there trying to like take over places and stuff and like fight the cultists. 
it it doesn't hold up under scrutiny (laughs) (laughs) and they also have the aim of a stormtrooper i didn't realize this game had a story i thought you were just fighting the vampires you you're technically ostensibly fighting the vampires but even then so all the story is told through either these like like single frame paintings that are like here's what happened the vampires showed up it got bad start the game (laughs) (laughs) or it's um or these like I don't know what to call them. They're they're like psychic echoes that you find in the mind palaces of different vampires that like tell you who they are and like give you a glimpse into their lives. But they're not very interesting. Like they're they're novel, I guess, in a way. But then you kind of just end up watching these glowing blue skeletons talk to each other and they're not moving or animating. They're just standing there talking to each other. And you're standing there like in the video game with like your big steak launcher (laughs) and just like watching two blue skeletons like pantomime out this thing that happened in the past. You could be like like Undertale. Oh, I think this person talk. Yeah. (laughs) It's you're just watching this thing. You're like, oh, I think these people who are rich were also bad. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Um, All this is to say, like, I I think it's. If you want to lose like eight hours in a co-op shooter, like you could do that. But there's so many other games that do what this is doing better because it is not immersive whatsoever. I think the number of times I got to a place I wanted to go to and the door was locked and the only way to get in, I couldn't find like an alternate avenue of entering the building or whatever. I had to get a certain key and the key would only be given to me once I went and started a mission. And then they literally give me the key to go in there and go do the thing. And that is like the one thing I think an immersive sim should not do ever. It should always give you ways of finding different avenues and exploring and reward you for that. And and, uh, this does not reward you for that. Also, the like, just everything in this game just dies so easily. There's no real challenge to it. And the shooting doesn't feel great to start with. I do like the the improvised weapons that you have to kill vampires with. I like the stake launcher because it's big and it's goofy. And it's got that like DIY idea to it. I like the flare gun because it's a really cool idea of like, oh, we need to light the vampires on fire. How are we going to light the vampires on fire? We'll shoot a flare at them. Yeah, that perfect. Works. I like that. That's interesting. Yeah, I like the UV beam. You have like a gun that just shoots UV beams at vampires and you like spray them with enough UV light and they turn to stone and then you can like pump punch them to shatter them that's really cool all the actual gun guns like the assault rifle the handgun the sniper rifle don't feel good they just don't feel Mm. good it's really weird and also they're all comically good at like killing normal enemies so like this cultist will run up and he's like oh i'm gonna get you i'm gonna kill you for the hollow man that's one of the vampire gods that he worships and you're like okay and you like shoot him once in the knee and he's like (laughs) (laughs) and just repeat that ad nauseum and there's like no recoil on the guns that's like its own problem and so it just kind of feels like you're spraying nerf darts and i i i like arcane a lot i like the studio I like the people that work there. I think they make good games. They did not make a good game this time. Boy, this one is a a miss. Even Prey was at least interesting. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, and in Prey, like, I think people forget that Prey was kind of a weird game at launch. That Yeah, nobody it, it knew was, what to do with it when it came out. <laughs> it was kind of like critically well regarded, but it took a while for it to kind of achieve its status that it has. Yeah, today, it came to be it came to be critically well regarded when the DLC came out. For um, sure. I I don't think that's going to happen to Redfall because I like it also had a lot of there's a lot of technical issues like uh, I, I mentioned the stealth detection and the AI is just bad, but also they're like characters that were just sliding across the floor oh and T posing. And oh there, there, there was a very funny uh, clip that somebody shared of a guy that was supposed to be getting his blood sucked by a vampire, but he was like T posing instead. So it looked very <laughs> he was um, trying to establish dominance. Suggest- oh, yeah, no. <laughs> it, it looked suggestive. And they were like, yo, <laughs> vampires out here in Redfall. Um, <laughs> it was futile in the end. But uh, it was, I, I think that will get fixed. I even saw during the review process, uh, my performance was terrible. Uh, before launch but then the day one drivers the day one uh patch did fix a lot of that but here's the thing i don't think that fixing the technical aspect of this is going to fix the the, like the thing at the heart of redfall that's not working which is it's not good as an immersive sim and it's not good as a shooter so it like can't get in either direction like it's it, it doesn't have any of the sort of exploration or discovery or rewarding, like finding things that you would want out of an arcane game. But it also like is not as good of a like co-op shooter as back for blood or left for dead or even borderlands. The loot's not interesting. I hate hmm, uh, skill points in this game. You get a shiny new skill point, cat. What do you want to put mm. that towards? You want to level up an ability, right? You want to, you sure. want to make that ability do something yeah. cool, right? Let's do it. Yeah. 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 Doesn't do that very often, cat. Uh, there's not a lot of options there that er- do Eric, that. Are you okay? Eric, the game can't hurt you anymore. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> why would, mm, mm, why would you put, it's over. I it's carry it's more over, ammo it's on the over. skill point branches. <laughs> You're okay now. There's there's an upgrade for one of the guns. You can pick up a gun. It'll have randomized upgrades on it. One of them is just do 20% more damage. This gun does 20% more damage. Why wouldn't you just reflect that in the damage numbers? Why is it a <laughs> thing in the features? <laughs> I think that this is a good example of a game that seemed pretty cool on paper. Somebody pitched, what if we did a co-op shooter, but it's also an immersive sim? Like in the style of Arcane. And everybody's yeah, like, that's a great yeah. idea. And they just couldn't make it come together. And I think yeah. they maybe soft pivoted to, all right, well, let's make it a looter shooter, I guess. And they and they bolted that stuff on and it didn't really work. It doesn't work. It, no Did parts of it works. Do you have any idea what went wrong at all? Is there any post-mortems oh, yet? I mean, so we'll, we were going to talk about this in Random Encounters, but we can just talk about it here. Um, Phil Spencer... When I'm kind of funny and talked about it. Yeah. Yeah, that was he a... did the same old song. He was like, oh, we got to do better. It was I, the I, head coach after a tough loss, right? Like he goes out there. He's like, you know, I was just a, was a hard loss. We got to look at the tape. Mm-hmm, got to go back mm-hmm. and review the tape. No, he this said is a that they expected the reviews to be double digits higher than what they got. <laughs> yeah. I want, whoever did talk. the mock wow. review on those games, they're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Whoever. And, and I think yeah. it was interesting that people were like pointing that out. If you didn't know this, this is very inside baseball. But yeah, mock reviews are a thing that happens like uh, oh, yeah. publishers. It's not just Microsoft. It's not just like the it's big where game journalists go mm-hmm. into the sky. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, That's where I've kind of ascended to, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that is a thing companies, because they want to know, like they, they want to get an idea before a game comes they out. They want like, to tell their investors how's this gonna what review, to expect, Like basically. how's this going to carry out? So they, they will go, they will contract. Um, I've just literally never seen a publisher call out the mock reviews. Before. Yeah. Explicitly talk that, about mock that's reviews. That's crazy. Yeah, that's wild. Crazy. Um, but yeah, Phil Spencer was very like hat in hand, you know, I'm I'm disappointed in myself sort of stuff. Uh, you know, yeah, we Phil, you've this. been saying that for a year now. It 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 felt weird because I do feel like a, as much as he was trying to get in front of the bullet, I do think that Arcane is getting thrown under the bus here, too. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there, there's been a lot of talk about like, is this going to mar the reputation of arcane? No, when the next arcane game comes up, I'm still going to be interested because it's arcane. Like they make Redfall aside, really interesting games and they make cool stuff and they've got like a good studio there. It's just so it's, it's disappointing, I guess yeah. it is like the word is that I, I can see pieces of it. I wrote my review. It's, it's not live yet for dumb reasons, but um, I can see the pieces of what could have been a really interesting game because I do think the world of Redfall is cool. I love the idea of this serial pulp horror like vampire takeover shooter. Like it's a cool idea, and I love the like the art style of it. Looks very different, very unique. But nothing in the game really works, and all you've got left is like, yeah, you could have some fun, just you know sticking around in this world and and doing silly things and shooting for a bit. But I will be very surprised if even 10% of the player base sees it through to the end. And what is honestly a very disappointing final boss. It's too bad because I thought Redfall, I actually had high hopes for Redfall because I was like, well, this seems like a cool idea. And I know Arcane will execute on it, and it seems a lot easier to explain co-op shooter with vampires. Maybe this one will do really well. And it turned out to be really bad. And I don't even necessarily blame Xbox on this one. It just seemed like a half-baked idea that couldn't really get off the ground, but Xbox is going to take all the blame for it. Uh, We've talked somewhat... We've talked a few times on this podcast recently um, about what the heck is going on um, with Xbox, it's it's been a tough year uh, for them, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Um, as for me, uh, I've been playing a lot of Warcraft Three recently uh, for the first time in like many years, many many years. Um, Warcraft Three Reforged, as you may recall, was another game that got critically panned. I bet it came out. Yeah, uh, it's still not that great, honestly. It's but it's it's at least playable. Um. And if, if, if you've never played Warcraft 3, it's it's really interesting because um, it's a competitive RPG. It's a competitive mm-hmm. tactics RPG. Like you're just building a little party and then carrying it around the map, grinding, until you run into the other team and then you start fighting. And you have these heroes and they're leveling up and you equip them with items and everything. It's really neat. It's It's a very different vibe from StarCraft, which I've also been playing. It made me think a lot about how it, uh, how influential Warcraft Three has been, how it led directly to World of Warcraft with an assist from Diablo, which of course, like every game, borrows from uh, World of Warcraft. I mean, if you can kind of trace a almost, almost direct line from Redfall to War- Warcraft Three, 
in some respects because and Diablo because those were the games they were giving us color coded loot back in the day. Yeah, I was I was listening to I think it was Waypoint uh, R.I.P. in progress, <laughs> but they're <laughs> they're still doing um, podcasts and they, they had a recent one where they actually looked up what the color coded loot system came from. Diablo and it was two. Diablo one. But oh, I, even yeah. before that, uh, it was based off of one of the original roguelikes that was out there. I forgot the name of it, but I think it was Ang Band or something like that. Sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, that's what David Brevik was inspired by. Yeah. Yeah. Ang Band. Yeah. Thank you, JB. Um, yeah. And I thought that was really fascinating because I've been wanting to go back to some of those old roguelikes because I feel like a lot of design in games stems from that era of like muds and stuff. But play NetHack. Mm. Still going. Oh, that's a bit hardcore. <laughs> it's a hardcore stuff right there. That's not a roguelite. It's a roguelike. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the, the, the good stuff. Put it right into my veins. But yeah, I've been having a, a good time with it. And. I sort of, I, I was tweeting about this a little bit. I think Warcraft 3 and Starcraft are critically ignored in a way that I find actually really annoying. I think Starcraft is, should be acknowledged as one of the probably 10 best and most influential games ever made. That still holds up. But people don't even talk about it. Too bad. Um, I've also been playing, uh, aside from Honkai Star Real, five, Final Fantasy V. <clears throat> oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been making good progress on it. It's it's funny. Um, the first time I ever played Final Fantasy V was on the PlayStation Anthology back in the oh, day when CD. it came out. Why burn? Not a, not a great experience, folks. No, no terrible, no. terrible translation. Legendarily bad. Translation. A legendarily bad translation. And not only that, but the loading so slow. Yeah. The loading Ridiculous. for that and Chrono Trigger were just enormous for some reason. I think I've told the story about how I was playing Final Fantasy V in our car in a road trip. And uh, I had my save corrupted when I was trying to save. And my dad turned off the car. Lol. Uh, Wait, you were playing on a console. That's right. Yeah. You yeah, had a yeah, console. Yeah. Yeah, we had a TV in the car and we were on a road trip. Nice. Because I was a spoiled middle class kid. Um, <laughs> but that was my Final Fantasy V experience for a long time. And I've come back to it several times. I've gotten much further than this in the past. But the thing that always stood out to me was that it was really hard in the pre- before. And I would really like bang my head against the wall fighting certain bosses. Like uh, the fire guy that turns into a hand or a tornado. Oh, like, that jerk. struggled with that guy. Uh, the, the sandworm was kind of kicking my butt. Ifrit was kind of kicking my butt previously. And now I'm just kind of rolling through them. And I'm like... Did I did I just get a lot smarter or a lot better or is it like is this game just easier now? Uh, but I feel like I'm just kind of like smacking them down pretty hard. Some of it is that I actually understand the like the mechanics behind. Yeah. Like, oh, these are the good classes. This is what I should be going for now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Geomancer. I have no idea. If Geomancer is really good. Mm-hmm. I currently have a um uh, a monk. A thief. Monks are always good. Thieves always a thief, good. Uh, a thief with monk abilities. That's awesome. Uh, a red mage. Always uh, good. And a, a summoner. 
a summoner. Yeah, summoner's an interesting choice. I, I always was kind of cold, hot and cold on summoners. I like Rydia because she can summon Bahamut, which by the end of the game, because I just finished Final Fantasy IV, is useless because every time you try to summon Bahamut, the asshole counters and uh, you die. Like every enemy in the Lunar Underground has a counter for Bahamut. It drives me nuts. The, uh, the internet tells me that I should be leveling uh that i should be leveling up summoners and thieves and uh monks uh for the stat boosts that's the mm-hmm. thing and i was mm-hmm. like oh interesting interesting and redfall will give you like double cast and you get like ninja and i don't i don't like there are a lot of ways to break this game i'm just trying to break the game so i can finally finish it <laughs> um it's still a deeply silly game uh but i like its sense of humor it's a really goofy sense of humor. <laughs> it does. It's, kind of, it's a really good palate cleanser before you get to Final Fantasy VI where everyone dies. There's a moment where um, they fall into a pit and two of the characters are like having a moment. And you're like, oh, it's so cute. And they're like, where did Gallif go? I guess he's dead. Let's move on with our lives. <laughs> and Gallif's like, what the hell? R.I.P. Gallif. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, please look forward to our Final Fantasy V uh, Pantheon episode coming next month. Nadia, looks like you've been playing some another Final Fantasy, but this one's Final Fantasy fourteen, and it has a frowny face. What's going on? <laughs> well, first of all, I've been playing Dredge to kind of like you know calm myself down before uh, Zelda comes out, which is a great game. Uh, love the atmosphere; it's a bit repetitive, but I'll probably talk more about it when I'm actually finished it, if I do finish it. But Final Fantasy XIV, what happened is, okay, there's an event going on where they encourage you to kind of do old raids and stuff like that because just to kind of mm-hmm. get people mm-hmm. to the game. And I had never really finished the Nier raid written by Yoko Frickin' Taro. Mm-hmm. So I decided, I'm going to, this is going to be great. Okay, uh, why, why, I don't know how, you know that that meme with the dead dove? I don't know what I expected. Yeah, that's uh, kind of where <laughs> we're going here. Because it's Yoko Taro, so of course I'm thinking, okay, whatever happened is going to be centered around, you know, 9S and 2B, and it's going to be their drama, it's going to be, like, all their problems. But no, Yoko Taro introduced us to two nice dwarf children who are brother and sister and love each other very much. And since it's Yoko Taro, uh, they turn out great. Everyone's fine. There's no sad moments. There's no, mm-hmm. of course, burning mm-hmm. questions about identity and, like, you know, what it means to be alive, mm-hmm. what it means to be loved. Like, you know, none of that, of course. Uh, and dear well, God, thank that- God. That last fight, the the aesthetic with the train and Yo, stuff like that—that's so incredible. It's, and the music, it's oh, so hype. Like I, I remember, so amazing. I was talking to a friend about it at one point, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, it's going to be a bunch of like near Automata references." And he's like, "Not just near Automata." And I was like, "Yo, near Replicant." And he's like, "Also Drakengard." Yes. <laughs> I was like, "No, how are they going to put Drakengard in Final Fantasy 14? Oh, they put Drakengard in Final Fantasy XIV, <laughs> and last. it works. Nihilism! Hooray! Oh, God, yeah. is there ever nihilism? So, I don't know what I expected. I got it. And it's it's so Yokotaro. You think about, remember that time he was suggesting how he would do Monster Hunter Rise? Mm. And it went to some terrible narrative where, like, and then the, the girl stops singing because everyone is dead. Like, it's just... <laughs> yeah. You kill her sister, and she stops cry- singing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, so I amazing. really enjoyed it at the end. I think it was a great raid. Um, I got some 2B gear. I put it on Meliance because she kind of encourages you to do that anyway. Uh, basically, in Final Fantasy XIV, you can put your gear on oh, NPCs God, right. that you work with. So I took the sexy gear and put it on the mom character everyone loves in the game, Emiliance, who 
well, she says, like, if you want to dress me up and get my husband horny, go ahead. So I said, all right, well, here's your 2B glam. I'm not really going to use it. So enjoy. And that was near Automata Final Fantasy 14. Thank you. I like Dredge. And mm-hmm. uh, how far are you, Nadia? I'm working on the last island, the Volcano Island. So I'm pretty close to the end, I think. It's pretty short. I probably will finish it. Yeah, so I'm yeah. probably going to finish it. Um, it's got a great atmosphere. Like, mm. I, 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 can you go insane? Like, can you lose the game by just losing your mind completely? I haven't done that yet. I'm too scared to see what happens. No, I, I, you're a lot further than me, so I wouldn't know. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So things get a little more intense the longer you go on. I did kind of have a... My, the thing that slowed me down was there's a part where you're supposed to explore the mangle grove, which is full of, like, really twisty, turny passages and... That slowed me down a bit, but I got it done. So now I'm kind of, I feel like I'm moving again and uh, heading towards the end. Well, speaking of dark and twisted coming this week, there are a few different games. Uh, Darkest Dungeon 2 is leaving early access on May 8th. Uh, You may recall that I like Darkest Dungeon quite a bit. Uh, It's been in early access for a while now. Played it a little bit. It's pretty cool. A little different from the previous game. And I feel like Dredge borrows a lot from its aesthetic yeah um nadia this one's for you ease nine coming to ps5 on may 9th yeah i actually wrote the review for that one and i did if y'all want to go back and look at that i loved ease nine uh i was actually thinking of maybe playing again on the playstation 5 because performance was a little eh on the playstation 4 but it probably runs so freaking well and it's such a it's a game where like adol is Batman. So he's grappling everywhere. He's gliding mm. everywhere. Like mm. I, I really enjoyed it. I think His I liked it more than. Dead. Yeah, <laughs> I think I liked it more than eight. But some people say eight's better. You can't go wrong with either one, though. Fuga Melodies of Steel Two. Yeah, that's uh, that's the furries in the tank. You put even more <laughs> kids in the Soul Cannon. The Soul Cannon can fit so many kids. Oh boy, horrible <laughs> furry children are going to die. Yeah. In this game. Um, no, Fuga is a really cool. Uh, I I think listeners of the pod will remember. I I checked that out. I think it was last year or the year before. Um, oh God, I've been on this podcast for a long time now. Uh, <laughs> but it's a it's a cool it's a cool game. It's a cool idea, and it looks like they're doing more interesting stuff with this new one. Potentially even more Soul Cannon hijinks. So Soul Cannon hijinks. Apparently, it has a judgment system which is very decision-based, a little visual novel um, Mm. energy, I want to say. It reminds me of Valkyria Chronicles, only it's a turn-based, kind of a little bit of a turn-based tactics RPG with furries. So (laughs) it it had like a really cool idea where each of the kids, you could put them on different uh, like slots on the, the tank and their cannons would act differently. They'd have like specialties and stuff. So if you like that sort of, if you like the idea of the tanks of metal slug, like, Oh, I love the design of the tanks of metal slug, uh, like fighting in turn-based battles. This will scratch that itch. But seriously, it's tears of the kingdom week. And that's what everybody's going to be playing. No, one's going to be playing those other games. What about, what else are we talking about? RIP anyone who released this week. I, I, I understand why you had to, but I feel bad for you. It's crazy to me that Darkest Dungeon 2 is like, we're ready to come on over early access. Hello. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Tears of the Kingdom. We're going to be talking about it next weekend. Or, yeah, next week. We're going to be doing our, nice. our review episode. <laughs> Excited. 
Um, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm looking forward to, to 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 playing this one like everybody else. Daniel, what what are, what are your thoughts? You excited? Oh yeah, I am. I'm ready for Tears of the Kingdom to come out. We've been <laughs> it, it's been such a weird cycle for Nintendo. They've like said almost nothing for the longest time about this game and we're just like what okay so how are we going to stop telling how are we going to tell these people that this isn't just a 70 dollars dlc and then now is the time where they're starting to blow out all the information uh the whole thing with crafting looks super interesting just being, being able to craft on the fly it's just the fact it's called ultra hand you can just connect yeah. things together and <laughs> that's so cute cute little reference right there um god there's so much about this that I'm just excited for it at this point because, um, yeah. Th- and why is everyone so hot? Like, like I've never mm. like all all three people of the Triforce, all, all the, the Triforce holders showing a lot of skin this time. The, yeah. this one in particular, Ganon's hot now too. Look and at him. Like, guess he, what, ladies and gentlemen, and others. Here I go. <laughs> the importance of hydration. Yeah. Hot Ganon. Yeah. Hot Drink Ganon. water, and you too can look like Ganondorf. <laughs> like the milk all... campaigns he's had as kids. <laughs> Drink your milk so you can be Ganon, the ruler of a harem with like 10,000 females. I, I'm looking forward to to the link that can like let his hair down. We've seen that in some of the trailers, but he's got like yeah. that mane of hair. Like mm-hmm. that's sick. He's got like some real Miyazaki, like like Hayao Miyazaki Ghibli vibes and some of the, the stuff that we've seen so far. He's looking like uh, Prince Ashitaka from Mononoke, and I dig those vibes. So can I just add just totally apropos of nothing? I saw clips of Princess Mononoke recently because I happened to be in the worst sushi restaurant I've ever been in, period. Mm. And I had to say that while the sushi was wretched, Princess Mononoke was one of, on one of those TVs. And I was like, God damn, I forgot what an amazing movie this is. Holy cow. Right? So yeah, epic. It, on, on some days, you might catch me saying that it's one of my favorite movies, if not my favorite movie of all time. I, I absolutely love that film. Uh, I look forward to revisiting it when we do our summer of Ghibli someday. Eventually. In some summer. Eventually. As for your question, Daniel, as to why everybody is hot, that's just the way it be. We're going to be talking about Honkai Star Rail in just a hot <laughs> mm. second. Mm. At some point, all the game developers realize that the internet's just really thirsty. Just look at Blue Sky. Uh, Blue Sky is just all sexy, uh, thirsty memes at this point. So, yeah, our, our video games are all very horny. These days, mm-hmm. and The mm-hmm. Legend of Zelda is no exception. But we'll be Not talking about that me. a lot more next week. Until then, it's time for a series of random encounters. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster has passed over 2 million sales worldwide. PlayStation Studio Pixel Opus, which is best known for Concrete Genie, has shut down. Uh, Phil Spencer went on a podcast, uh, the Kind of Funny X-Cast, to say that he's upset with himself over the Redfall launch and says that Xbox has done a better job assisting with Starfield development. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll okay. See. <laughs> uh, David Gator said that Bioware is slowly turning from a company that vocally valued its writers to one where they were quietly resented leading up to his departure in 2016. Yeah, the WGA strike happened mm-hmm. this week, so there are a lot of writers online right, right now talking about how they're fundamentally devalued by their uh, the current system. I have mm-hmm. to say that as a writer, it feels great to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, there is... I, I did read a tweet. I'm really sorry. I can't remember who, who wrote it, but they were saying how writers are kind of more interested in getting into games now, but they're like saying things like, I only want to write cinematic cutscenes. And to me, it's like, yeah, yes, get over here yeah. and write this options menu with me, dude. I mean, all 100% support, <laughs> support, but like we writing, it should not be devalued in any, on any level. It's all, uh, I mean, look at me. I'm half a saint. I'm a goblin who lives under a table. Look what it did to me. <laughs> I, I'm just standing on the sidelines being like, mm, yes, video game writers get mad and then think about, you know, we're all mad and we could be mad together and perhaps yeah. enact change as some sort of combined force, a Voltron, perhaps, or <laughs> Writertron. Or just be replaced by I'll AI. be the foot. Oh, that ain't happening. Marvel's Midnight Suns is finally headed to PS4 and Xbox One. The Switch version has been canceled. R.I.P. Did we ever think that the Switch version of that game was ever coming out? Heck no. no. I'm amazed that the PS4 and Xbox One versions are coming out, given that Midnight Suns was kind of a disappointment uh, sales-wise, even though the game itself was excellent. And finally, Citizen Sleeper is getting a tabletop RPG version. Quote, Eric has already pre-ordered it. Look forward to the Blood God tabletop review. I love that because it's basically a game based off of tabletop. And so now it's turning back into tabletop. I love it when games do that. (laughs) But our main topic is Honkai Star Rail, which released on April 26th. It's a free to play gotcha game from Hoyoverse, a.k.a. MiHoYo the Genshin Impact folks. It's for PC and mobile currently. It's uh, going to be out on PlayStation at some time in the future. It's the fourth installment in the Honkai series. Pretty popular series that the team was making prior to Genshin's absolutely titanic explosion onto the scene. How is it different from Genshin Impact, you ask? Well, this one's a turn-based RPG in that sense. It's a lot closer to a lot of your turn-based gotcha games that you've been seeing um, in the recent uh, memory. Uh, I saw that there was an auto-battling button. I'm like, oh, I'm pressing that. Oh, I hit that button all the time. I hit that button button so darn fast. These games are designed to be automated and pretty. You're just going to watch these characters killing things and then making money so that you can exchange it for more characters and such. Uh, That's Honkai Star Rail. 
Um, and uh, Daniel, we brought you on this episode because you're a little bit of a Genshin expert, and you've also been playing Honkai Star Rail as a as a Genshin stand. Uh, what's been your thoughts on this game so far? So Hon- Honkai Star Rail, I was I, I have been. I had this on my radar ever since there was like a demo at PAX West last year, uh, just a really quick demo of doing like some of the battling. And I was like, wow, this is definitely the same aesthetic art style as Genshin. Not shying away from that. They know what works. They're going to go head on with with that art style. And I'm just here thinking, uh, (laughs) I hope that this isn't going to be something that pulls me in as well, because I've spent a, a irresponsible amount of time with Genshin Impact at this point. I don't even want to know how many hours I actually have on that at this uh, right now. But looking at Star Rail, I was like, okay, I'll at least give it a shot. I at least have to for um, just just because I, I'm so familiar with their work with only Genshin. I haven't played the other like Honkai Threat Impact or anything like that. Yeah, they also have like a dating sim game, I think, and some other stuff that's that's out there. But like definitely Genshin is the one that worldwide made an impact. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh <laughs> I'm in that phase of I don't know if I enjoy this or not. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Be- because Genshin, if I could just rant about that for a moment, it's probably the best worst game I've ever played. Like it okay. looks, it looks beautiful. Like like I, I enjoyed the exploration, that sort of thing that kind of was birthed from Breath of the Wild. I'm pretty sure that the direction they took for Genshin Impact uh, Hoyoverse kind of uh, altered that after Breath of the Wild was released. Because there's a lot of similarities at that point, but um, it's it's gorgeous. Like uh, uh, there's a lot of depth to it. I enjoy like like th- some people will talk about how there's way too many like RNG things involved with like your 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 equipment. Obviously, the gotcha with weapons and characters, and that that kind of carries on into Honkai Star Rail. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff that I like about Genshin is in Honkai, but a lot of the stuff that I also don't like goes, it goes into Honkai Star Rail as well. And, um, gosh, like, like one of the things for both that I immediately realized, and I knew it was going to happen in Star Rail. God, this game has a lot of text. There is (laughs) so much fluff. Like you're going around picking up random items that have supplemental, uh, lore or just random text involved with it. And you could spend like 20 minutes, from all the, the text in one room, just reading these paragraphs. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> I want to like actually play said game. Like you should, it, uh, environmental storytelling is super important. And I always mm-hmm. love that uh, whenever a, a game can do that very well and they can do that in Genshin. And I, I'm sure they can do that in Star Rail as well, but gosh, they, they over explain everything in that reading and also just in the text itself. And I think that's part of the, part of the translation um, because like you can say much more in an, in like the, in an Asian language, like you can say yeah. much more with less text, but you have to fluff it out for an English speaker, uh, a lot of the time and it, it gets tiring at times. Like, but they have fun with it. I, they're, yeah, I was going to rebuff. They were dunking on the metaverse. <laughs> they're among other things. The yeah. dialogue is hilarious in star rail. Like that's the thing. Like they're really kind of just taking the fact that there's going to be a lot of text and just playing with it at this point. And yeah, the, 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 the metaverse, what was the, the reaction to that it was like, don't, don't fall into that or something like, like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That don't follow that trend. Herda. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's what uh, I, I already like, I've written a couple of blogs about Honkai already. And that was one of the things that really struck me was that 
number one, the text messaging in this game rules. It's it's very mm-hmm. fun. Uh, all the characters have really fun messages with each other and kind of like it, it, they build up stories between characters very well. I like that every day you log on, there's just a new text message chain that you can interact with to get some jade and you like learn about some stuff like yesterday i had the one with serval where she's like hey i built a machine and it had a chainsaw on it and it shot the chainsaw off and went through a window the guards are looking for me you didn't see shit (laughs) it's just like um it's like really good uh like world building character building um but also the main character is allowed to just be whoever and and that can also like, like what i mean by be whoever is they can be super apologetic they can be super flirty like you can hit on a lot of characters in like very dumb like mm-hmm. pepe le pew ways like every time i get a flirty option with natasha my character is always like trying to to put on the riz and be like hey what's up natasha <laughs> you need some help with this clinic here and she's like you're great anyways <laughs> and but like with March 7th, March 7th, will say something like really silly and you can either like, you know, talk down to her like Dong Hong would or you can like be the the in the back of the car chanting McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. With her. Get the black coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hung, Hung, Dong Hong gets the black coffee and drives off. Yeah, yeah. He he buys yeah. the black coffee and drives off. And then Himiko is like, we have McDonald's at home and it's it's pom pom. Uh, Pom Pom has tried to make McDonald's, but that's that's what I'm saying is I love the cast of this game. I think it's such a good like core cast that they already have here. And that was maybe one of the big things I didn't like about Genshin early on was that you didn't have so much characterization. I don't I only played through the prologue of of Genshin. So like that whole first uh, Mondstadt arc with like with Venti and the dragon and all that. Uh, That was all I played of Genshin. But I felt like in that zone, I didn't get a lot out of those characters. I didn't get a lot of memorable stories. I guess with Honkai, that's kind of the same. Like, I don't think Curtis Space Station is that interesting as an area. But then once you get into the Urelo 6 and all of those characters, like Branya, Sela, Serval, and all that, uh, they're really good. They're really interesting. They're really compelling. And you get, like, a lot of good story out of them. So I, I don't know. Do you feel... Daniel, like you're getting more out of this early on than Genshin. Like, did you have kind of those same issues with Genshin or am I just a weirdo? I think Genshin really relied on exploration to be the main selling point because there's 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 nothing like that in Honkai. You're just kind of right. have those set areas. There's and no so, jump button. It messes no me jumping. up so much. Yeah, I, I keep trying to jump. Yeah. I keep thinking, I'll just glide over there. I can't. It breaks my heart. But uh, <laughs> yeah. And then... Uh, that, that's true like the the opening hours of genshin impact like it's a bit dry with those characters um they don't have very much to them they're a bit one note honestly um uh, and then you're just kind of leaned into going to point a point b but but also you could just kind of go anywhere for a, quite a while and i think that was the major selling point it was like oh my gosh it's like it's like all these other open world games. That and are, it's Breath they, of the Wild. I heard it compared to a lot. It was like, oh, we get to mm-hmm. explore and do all these elemental interactions and stuff. The ele- like, oh. I liked the elemental interactions immediately in Genshin mm-hmm. Impact. Mm. <clears throat> they really stood out to me as being somewhat deep and interesting, I think. Um, Honkai Star Rail's battle system, at least as it feels now, there are plenty of interesting interactions going on, I suppose, especially depending on which characters you're playing with. But I think fundamentally it's similar to a lot of turn-based gotcha games that I've played where it's 
you know, there's a uh, there's a cycle, there's a repetition to it mm-hmm. where you like hit the attack, hit the attack, like build up toward being able to use your more special abilities, uh, use your ultimate, use your ultimate a lot. You're going to be watching a lot of the same animations um, over and over and over again. That's why you got and, your new girls. Yeah. And you're like, cool. And it's the kind of game that I automate into oblivion. Um, there was another game that I was playing and f- apologies. I, d- I don't remember what it was, but I was immediate. The reason that I was playing it for a hot second. Um, was it Ark Knights? Is that the game? Ark Knights, um, yeah. 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 Well, whatever it was. One, one of these games. I think it was Ark Knights. It, it doesn't seem that dissimilar from that game where it's like, well, I, I really like the, the looks of it. The, the graphics are gorgeous. I'm watching the same animations over and over again at a certain point. Like the ultimates just don't hit the same anymore. <laughs> and, My problem uh, uh-huh. is, is that I just, I understand that these games can be completed like without spending any money, but mm-hmm. I can't shake mm-hmm. the feeling that I'm getting screwed. And I really got that very quickly with Honkai. When I get to, uh, I, I realize these enemies are hitting really hard. I don't have anything just to, you know, this is the tutorial. I don't have anything to heal with. I don't have any items. I have nothing. I have a point that recharges over time. And it's just like, that's how I heal. I'm sure there's other healers in the game, but I'm just thinking to myself, okay, okay, this could be a really cool system where they're limiting healing and trying something new. Or they could be screwing me down the road somehow that these time (laughs) things will get more spaced apart and more oh you can pay for it and i know that's probably not the case these are you know triple not even triple a but they're like good you know solid tier games that are just have gotcha elements and something about that when you put it in rpg sense it really just like just makes me really skittish like i tried to get through brave exvius couldn't do it for the same reasons couldn't i fell off genshin impact for the same reason uh, I'm probably not going to play this again, to be honest with you. It's just I can't shake that slimy feeling. It's like, okay, if I play a mobile game, a typical mobile game, I'm going to someone's casino and I'm dropping money and I'm an idiot, but I want to do it because I want to be in the danger zone and just, you know, get that little thrill. I've been told I'm a bad Jew because I don't like to gamble very much. But I, I, I just kind of like duck in, duck out, whatever. It's your game. It's your rules. But when you put these gotcha mechanics in an RPG, you are putting it in my house you are not in a casino you are maximilian pegasus sitting at my table and i walk in let's play a game yugi boy what are you doing here if you want to play your stupid card game get out this is my house so that's just not me. in nadia's house that's just I like how, how i feel i like how quickly that rant went from uh comments on on jewishness to maximilian pegasus <laughs> boy. I, I think that the appeal of Honkai star rail is less the actual mechanics though i'm sh- they seem interesting if you're really involved if you're really invested in the actual characters there's um, a lot to unlock you can um pour a lot of money or not a lot of money but like a lot of grinding to be able to attach this or that to them to make them more powerful. I have no doubt that there's going to be like an intense end game meta involved with how you min max the stats of your particular characters so that they're doing the maximum amount of damage. This is pretty standard gotcha fare in that respect. Having said that, I think that the appeal to a decent number of people for Honkai Star Rail is a, the art 
which is excellent. And B, the writing, actually. Uh, I think that there's a decent number of people who are actually kind of invested in the in the world and the story. I say more power to them. It's not that interesting to me. Um, I think it's just a really, really well done gotcha game, mostly. Yeah. And it I'm doesn't go that much further yeah. than that. I'm going to tell you all while you're all wrong. Okay. <laughs> uh how how far are y'all uh, in in the story? I, like, I just went into the metaverse and got the a- aeons, eidolons. Uh, okay, so you're throwing a lot of words just, at me. You just unlocked the simulated universe. That's yeah. actually a thing I want to talk about. Okay, um, <laughs> is anybody else like off the space station yet? Because that's like the prologue area. No, yeah. I just kind of said I, I bounced. I said screw this healing Daniel, thing. I'm like Daniel, at the part where you meet Clara, like a trail blaze ranked 16 or so okay so you're on your reload six you're doing like some yeah. world stuff okay yeah uh, i am almost done with all the story content that's in the game so far i'm on the second really? planet um yeah uh how many hours is that don't ask uh <laughs> dude. so what i'm going to say is number one the story is very very good it is not the only reason to play this game i think the combat system is deceptively interesting because on paper it looks very basic you have everyone has basic attack skill and then their ultimate basic attack builds up points that you then expend for your skills so characters will kind of have this dichotomy where they have a normal attack that maybe does something puts a mark on somebody puts a trigger on something and then their skill maybe detonates it or their skill if they're like march 7th puts a shield on somebody heal somebody etc or it's their big damage activation like Serval uses her E to like detonate things and, and and like cause that effect. When you get further in that game, there is a lot of interesting team building that happens where you are trying to put together a squad that can make the best use of what you what you want to do. So you have to think about, OK, I've got this character who is very skill point hungry, so I need to put another character on the team that's going to fill an archetype, fill a role. And also attack a different weakness because I need that different weakness to be hit. I've got too many ice characters right now. I need like a fire character or a wind character, uh, which we haven't talked much about. But I think there's a really interesting like path distinction and also class distinction in this game. Uh, And I need them to be able to basic attack often be useful doing that and be able to generate those skill points that I need for my other character. I think the team building in this game is really, really fun. And to Nadia's point, I do think the game gives you a really good team free to play. Like I, I have not spent a cent on this. Um, some of the characters I've gotten from the roles that I've received are pretty good, but also the characters that you get just from playing the game that the story literally like gives to you uh, all very solid. March 7th is considered like one of the better four star characters that's out of there. Course. So you're so getting like, people into the game right now. I know that it's good. That's the thing. Like I know they give you these good teams. I've reviewed like talking about yeah. like uh consultation and stuff i've done countless mobile games and they all give you that good starter but i just feel like somewhere it's, it's something in my bones you know i'm this shouldn't I, be these, these shouldn't be combined i will, I will get to that <laughs> point i will get to that point because i is... have a i have a couple observations eric um it's pretty common for gotcha games to have really good team building mechanics i played yeah. a lot of fire emblem heroes and the team building aspect was by far the best part of it because that's where they're going to put all of the effort. It's into what drives you towards wanting to spend mm-hmm. money because yeah, they want to make you get new characters. 
I know. I'm aware of that. Change the meta and everything. And I think I, I have no doubt that Honkai Star Rail, that's where the strength is. Um, yeah. I, I think that the actual battle system, I, I, I was just observing that early on, it got a little repetitive, like early. And that was a ding against the it. enemies were tanks. So why mm-hmm. I want to bring that up is because you just started a section that I think might change your mind a little bit. Uh-huh. The simulated universe is actually probably my favorite part of this game because mm-hmm. it's basically just Hades with a with a turn-based RPG battle system. Like you get to play through it with your party of characters and you get to select different options from different paths and you unlock different abilities and it kind of lets you break like it is intentionally them letting you break the game because you can make characters way more powerful than they would ever be in the normal game by giving them all these things like oh your follow-up attacks now do extra damage and regenerate your ultimate more or like you do extra like quake damage or after effect damage uh when you do certain things or you get all these cool abilities that you get to play with and that's only for the simulated universe but it is honestly probably like the thing that will keep me playing this game long term is it's a turn-based party like roguelike and we haven't had a lot of those. We've had some. I like some of them, but this is probably the most interesting version of it I've seen so far. It's because of how like both team building, like like party building driven this game is and how simple the system is that's very malleable. Um also, I think the characters design, not just like art wise, like um, design wise, but their actual kits, like what they do is super interesting. There's a girl, I forgot her name, but she is like a Mahjong player. And her whole thing is that she draws tiles and then gets different effects and can do different attacks based on what tiles mm-hmm. she draws. And uh, even your your MC, when they change forms and get a different form and stuff like that is a really interesting like rpg character in and of themselves so i all that all that said all that pushed off to the side yeah the gotcha stuff is here the stank is here (laughs) (laughs) to say the least i I mean of course they're going to give you a strong starting team i was gonna say it's all in the end game my friend that's where they get you that's how it always be and there will inevitably come a time and it happened with genshin impact too where there will be a new banner and a new character's out and mm-hmm. oh, they, how are they going to fit it? Should you draw against this character? Uh, should you, people are going to be spending all kinds of money on it. There's going to be all kinds of debates and that's where it's going to uh, crystallize what this right. game is really all about, which is drawing against uh, the different banners. And Hey, that's, that's the gotcha. That's the gotcha spirit. But I just don't want to pretend where people say, I haven't spent a cent on it. I'm like, of course you haven't spent a cent on the story. That, well, that's I, not the point. And on the flip side, I also don't want to just like write off what this game does really well because it's in a gotcha sure. system. Because I think that is like the flip side that we sometimes default to is like, oh, it's this really cool game. It's got gotcha, so fuck it. And like, I, I don't want to like do that right away because I do think Honkai Star Rail is a really well-designed game. Also, like... I will also say that Hoyoverse is good at making gotcha games specifically. So like the ways in which they have inserted the monetization in this game, you can tell that it they they know just where to put that stuff. Yeah, like the I've trail, I'm I'm at, you know, where I'm at in the story and in the game is I am starting to hit that point where my resources are running thin and I, I'm starting to have to be like, oh, 
you know, I've got to grind and I really want to ascend my characters. I'm at level 40. I'm trying to send them up to be able to hit level 50. And I could, you know, I'm out of trailblaze power for the day. I could spend a little bit of money to get those resources back to run the things that I need to run to get the resources I need to keep leveling yeah, up my characters. Exactly. And that now I'm starting to feel that. And that I think is where the actual money pressure is coming in for gotcha i don't even think it's in the warps they are honestly i mean granted like you said still pretty early so they're being pretty generous with warps right now but i don't think the characters you get from warps aside from maybe like two or three of them are exceptionally good it it is really in the resources and the leveling up and once you get towards that mid to late game all that being said though i do think if you want just like a good story and also like a story that's really interesting because we haven't talked much about what the actual story of the game is but you are this person that has come to and become embodied with like what is essentially a stellar anomaly and you join the astral express which is journeying from planet to planet to stop these stellarons from creating calamities it's very final fantasy 14 like we need to stop the primal type stuff but the thing i like about this this universe so far is that it's very uh cosmic horror like you'll see some of this in simulated universe where there are different philosophies that have become so profound and moving for humanity that they become gods in and of themselves but they also have like a dark nature to them one of my favorites is abundance um you normally think like the god of abundance would be like fertility growth like vegetation like nature all that kind of stuff and she is but it's also notorious that when she heals everything about you. She heals your mortality. So you become like a zombie <laughs> and stuff. And she's like, Oh, it's okay. I'm going to take away all your problems. And like, that's, I like mm-hmm. the tinges of cosmic horror that this game does. And they're very good and they're very interesting. And you get to deal with them a lot in the simulated universe. It actually especially. reminds me a bit of the uh, gods and bastion. They kind of had the, uh, yeah. Yeah. Power ups yeah. and flip sides that kind of took down your stats as well. Um, and I like that stuff because I don't think we see it often enough. And especially like Bloodborne was very good about this. The sort of like horror of the unknown of like a cosmos that is so much larger and more unknowable than you could ever understand. Uh, and Honkai gets into that. Uh, and I I like the writing. I like that stuff. So I do think if you want to just hop in and play something that's an engaging turn-based RPG that you can play for free on your phone and just blast through with free to play characters. You can do that here, but I, that comes with the addendum that like, if you are at all prone to spending money on a game or being pressured into spending money on a game, like be very wary of that. And I'm telling you like right now here on this podcast, you can attribute this to Eric Van Allen of blood God. (laughs) Uh, You do not need to spend money on this game. Don't spend money on this game. If you don't want to, there, there is not much reason to, and I honestly don't think many of the ways to spend money are that worth it at the end of the day. So, but I do think Honkai is cool. I think like genuinely I bounced off of Genshin. I couldn't stick with Genshin, but I think Honkai is worth seeing through. I think the story's good. I think the character design's good. And I've kind of wanted this like a party based RPG that I can pop in and out of and just do like little things in every day. And it, it does that. It does that super well. So I think I'm doing it well enough that I'm going to stick with it for a while for now. But I, I do warn people who are getting into this game. If you want to get into Honkai Star Rail, you should do it now because yeah, yeah. Um, for Genshin Impact, like there has been so much 
like permanent content as well as like, like all, all the side events that they do like every three weeks or so. But so much permanent content at this point where if you were to enter today, because I had a friend that started uh, Genshin last year and mm-hmm. starting from square one when there's now like four major regions available. Yeah. Like if you ha- if you roll a character, for example, that's like that was released within the last few months or so. The the items you need to ascend them and make them, you know, to to make them better, like higher level to like mm-hmm. 50, 60, 70, um, you might have to play to like Inazuma uh, and, and that would right. be like the third region. You have to play like the length of an entire RPG to get to that point to, to help them out. To, to, to give actually them like level them up to where you would need them, where they would be useful. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's very much not friendly to newcomers at this point for Genshin. Um, you can do it, but it would take you'd have to really just kind of pace yourself or mm-hmm. just like go like steamroll as fast as you can. And I, I know that's going to happen with Star Rail as well. When the when the real like content keeps coming out over and over over the next few months in the next years, depending on how well this game does. Uh, it's going to be harder for new players to adapt to that and, and you know, kind of get those with the, if they roll in your character or uh, to, to reach all that because it's overwhelming. I, I've heard like the content that they can release aside from the ones that's just like event only that's temporary. Um, but but yeah, it, I've seen a lot of people who are kind of worried about that as we speak, but um, I'm probably going to stick with baby. it. Yeah, I'll yeah. probably stick with it. Uh, as Kat was saying earlier, with the uh, the way that they're going to release new banners, even right now, people are all saying how Sila is the 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 one to get right now because every time like she takes out a character, Kinda, she takes yeah. out an enemy, she gets another turn. It's it, stupid. It, it, I've been it, I've been rolling against it. Of course, I have no chance of getting <laughs> her. But yeah, it's it's, it, yeah. it's like it's she. This is a turn-based game, but when you play with Sila, it's based on her turn. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's my turn now. It's like they uh, have a break broken character instantly. Go and mm-hmm. get her. <laughs> well, a broken character who's also like super like she's one of the main characters of that first planet you go to and, mm-hmm. and is like super popular um, is also like vaguely uh, queer coded with the other main character of that. That's Great a whole design too. Boy, yeah, I have to say that when yeah. I look at a game like Honkai Star Rail, it makes me think a lot about how gotcha games are essentially a corruption of classic rpg design they realized at a certain point that they could get you to grind and play forever and if you're building up stats and everything you're going to want to spend money it it's (laughs) i mean i respect the i respect the uh the art and the thought that goes into designing these games but it's quite insidious it's what everyone else has done with RPGs, though. Like, actually, I know. RPGs, RPGs have been like, turned to evil. Yeah, Eric. we can we can use these features to make our games longer. Sure. And and they with do it gotcha, in every genre like, now. We can we can use these to more effectively monetize. They our did games it in and, Destiny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They every game now is like they turned RPG elements to evil. And like yeah. even, in, even in the gameplay, too, like. Um, I won't knock against the the way that the gameplay works, the, the the flow works. There's like flashy, there's a, you attack, there's flashy attack, and then your flashier attack. That's mm-hmm. pretty much all your yeah. only options. You're not like doing braves or defaults to, to do 5D chess yeah. or how you want to manage your turns. You're not switching your personas over and over to try and see who's the better for which situation. It's very simplified, and I mean that's not a bad thing. It's it's meant to be a mobile game, 
but um, it's meant it, to be automated. It leaves so much to be desired. It's just my my thing. I, I I'm there for the game. I think you hit it on the head, Daniel. Right there. Yeah, that's why I was mm-hmm. thinking about like. People were kind of comparing it to Persona 5. It's a very stripped down. It's weird because the, even the perspective, the exact perspective of your turn is Persona 5. I'm just like, wow. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they lean into they it. know what they're it's imitating about, there. I'm telling yeah. you all, it's about the team building. It's about I know, managing. They're all about it's, it. This I know it's the team. same thing when people would look at auto chess and they'd be like, oh, this is you just put units down and they fight and you, you win or lose. And I'm like, yeah, but like you get good at these games by like understanding how those things interact and how you beat the other team with the characters that you build and how you mitigate risk and how you construct around a character i'm building a whole team around one of my five star characters right now because she's all about counterattacks, and i'm trying to like orchestrate a team that will like enhance those abilities and it's been clearing like high level content and like yes the the battles themselves very simplistic and straightforward but that's because like there's so many things on the outer rims that you are doing so i'm just I'm just it, saying. And just wait I, until a new character I'm not, comes I'm out that breaks the meta profound. that everybody has to have. And so better start grinding yeah. and rolling against that. To me, it's yeah. like this, it, you ugh. do what you want to do. It means it's fine. It's, it's your time. Yeah. But it's just I can't get over having those mechanics in an RPG. It just doesn't feel I don't think I'm I'm playing right. It feels weird. Because like I understand what Eric's saying, because I I play I still play Fire Emblem Heroes which mm-hmm. absolutely is a very dumbed down, simplified version of the actual Fire Emblem games on console and on handheld. But I still enjoy it for that that, that team building aspect. Yeah. I think it's just the fact that Honkai Star Rail, like that gameplay is in the vessel that it is uh, of storytelling, of world building, of, of these characters that I, I guess it's not really the best match for me, I think. Because uh, mm-hmm. um, I think if it was a, a different kind of, of if, if it was like more open, I don't know, open world like Genshin, I might be able to be more maybe because Genshin's brainwashed me. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I but uh, yeah, all I'm saying, I'm not this is not Octopath 2. This is not like game of the year material for me. Not at like all. <laughs> this maybe makes my list, but like at a low spot. And that's only if the rest of this year is kind of bad, which it probably won't be. Uh, I, what, what I'm saying is I Yes, there is gotcha inserted in this. We need to recognize that. But I also don't want to just write off what is a pretty good RPG, all things mm. considered, uh, because of that gotcha. And I, I just want to make sure we're not writing off the game no, wholesale. No, no. Because no. Of those I totally understand. As yeah. What I've seen has great design, good writing. It would be fun, but it's a matter of, again, my psychology. And also, I just have other things to play. It, it the main that character too. loves trash cans. They love dumpster diving. <laughs> and there's a whole side quest about how they love the side quests in this game slap. They're so good. I, I, I think that Eric's point about just being able to play through the story content and not worrying about the end game. Like you can have a pretty good time with this free to play thing. Um, and I, you know what, Eric team building. That's my, that's my jam. Any game that has a giant pool of characters that I can like obsess over, like party composition and everything. That's why I put so many hours into Fire Emblem Heroes. I totally get you. That's my thing. <laughs> uh, it's just been weaponized in so many ways. Anyway, that's our review of Honkai Star Rail. What do you think? Tell us over on social media at Pod or send me an email at cat at Dot com. Okay, it's time now 
for the summer of Korra. Our very first segment. Oh, boy. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. You want to go back to our Autumn of Avatar. That's when we talked about Avatar The Last Airbender. My first experience with that show, Eric has been our tour guide through the... uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, and now and now Korra, Legend of Korra. And uh, Legend of Korra, a little introduction, came out in uh, 2012. And I did not realize this. By the way, spoilers, uh, spoilers, uh, we're, we're doing spoilers. So just just be aware of that. We're, we're going to be talking about spoilers, not for the rest of the series, mind you, because I haven't seen it yet. want to be surprised again. Like I was surprised by the lightning in Avatar. I want to be surprised. <laughs> that was the best when you were like, it was early season one. Them. And you were like, I wonder if you could like elevate your, your bending. Maybe like airbenders could learn to control lightning. And I'm just sitting there like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Legend of Korra takes place significantly after the events of Avatar The Last Airbender. As I have discovered, I did not realize this. Aang is dead. Uh, and yeah, Katara. that's how the Avatar cycle works. They told you this. Yeah, <laughs> that's why Aang she's is the dead. Avatar now. My my friend who I was watching, Kenneth Shepard, friend I didn't of the know show, that Korra we was watching... the Avatar. Yeah, you do. I didn't. Like I didn't go in. Happens. I didn't go in when when they explained. It, I was like, oh, she's the Avatar. Cool, the new Avatar. <laughs> but like, they're all dead, which is a weird feeling. <laughs> they're not all dead. They're all dead except for Katara, who's old now and yeah, has a Doctor McCoy moment in the yeah. first episode from TNG. If you ever watch the first episode of TNG, Doctor McCoy shows up and he's got old man makeup on, and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> the Enterprise! Wow!" Enterprise. <laughs> 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 and uh, what's interesting is that Avatar: The Last Airbender was set in kind of a 19th century situation. And this one is much more 1920s. Like technology yeah. is advanced mm-hmm. appreciably. For sure. Yeah. There's a there's a 1920s radio announcer. And the Avatar is going to Royal City and things like that. <laughs> and uh they have sort of a baseball like situation except it's um sports. Pro bending. Yeah. This sure came out during the, the Harry Potter Kidditch thing, didn't it? Like just the Quidditch everyone... thing for sure. Oh my yeah. gosh, bending yeah. but with sports, and uh, it, it's an interesting aesthetic because, uh, forgive me, it reminds me of. Uh, there's a little bit of a hmm, how shall we say 1920s Southeast Asia vibe, which actually mm. in turn is a very colonial vibe. Actually, uh, yeah. Think. 1920s vietnam when the french were still um were still like it was still a french colony that that's the vibe i get from it which is an interesting thing and then um so yeah uh episode one introducing us to uh cora who is um older than ang which i appreciate she's a teenager 
uh, 17, I think, yeah, I think at this point in the story. Yeah. 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 Got muscles. That girl's built. She's built. Uh-huh. She's swole. Uh, she's she's like very bullheaded in a way that I mm. like early on. Like I so one of the things they introduce in Avatar: Last Airbender is the idea that for the Avatar, the hardest element to learn for Aang was like Earth because that is yeah. kind of diametrically opposed to their personality. So I like that even though Korra is from the Water Tribe, she ends up getting firebending and like honestly using firebending probably the most out of the elements that we've seen so far yeah, she's, she's she, a lot. pretty mm-hmm. frequent firebender uh which would be weird and it's like air which is funny because she's she a get. from the polar tribe isn't she naturally right. a waterbender right so yeah. you would think that like fire would be the the polar opposite but i like that they made air her opposite it was more about her personality that she can't get in touch with her like spiritual side because she's just she wants to punch the problem she doesn't want to talk about the problem they intentionally contrasted her to ang and we're like well we didn't actually learn a lot about weird weirdly we didn't learn a ton about the air tribe or airbending or how one learns airbending because ang was already an airbender going in yeah uh we learned a ton about the other elements so this is a great opportunity to explore it and we see that in episode two when she uh goes to the uh the airbending master because she's mastered the other three already so she's Mm -hmm. already ahead the schedule compared to ang uh, she's mastered the other three already. She's trying to learn about air. She goes to it. What's it, his name? Tenzin? Tenzin. Aang yeah. son. The son. Yeah, Aang son, uh, who has J.K. Simmons' voice, which would have yeah. meant. <laughs> oh, he's oh, cool. so good in That's this. Awesome. He's really good in this. He is. And there's um, uh, these, I want to say, spinning fan screen things uh, that you're supposed to be able to whirl through. It's kind of a cool piece. He's a leaf. <laughs> Until she blows them up. <laughs> no, that was pretty good. I, I actually, what's his name? Tianan? Tianan? Tenzin. Tenzin. Ten, I love how Tenzin has a, a, a feral goblin child who's just like, he has these two <laughs> nice Milo. daughters. And, I love Milo. Milo is just like, you're a terrible <laughs> father. Yeah. He's a little <laughs> chaos gremlin. Yeah. And then um, it, it unexpectedly becomes a sports anime. Which yeah, I it does. was not expecting that one. It was kind of fun. I, I so like the conceit on. behind it. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, so one of the things I wanted to note in episode two, especially, is that we get to see like Korra has a very, I'd say, like traditional form that we would recognize from Avatar The Last Airbender of like very traditional martial arts and kind of flowing and moving. But then when she gets in the pro bender arena, it falls apart pretty quick. And yeah. and Bolin is later teaching her how to do those kind of like quick jabs with earth bending and stuff. And I think it's really cool to see that like fighting styles evolve and have different yeah. applications. Mm-hmm. And like they have a very obviously boxing influenced style because that is what pro bending has naturally led those benders to use because it's effective in that situation. And I just that's that's like neat little touches. The Avatar team's so good at that. I have a question, and if it's anything spoilery, tell me. I'll learn later. But like, mm-hmm. there are a lot more benders around, and they were using a lot more powerful. Like, you see lightning bending, like almost immediately, and that was a big thing in the first mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. series. And same with uh, metal bending. These yeah. metal bending cops come around. Metal like, bending yeah, cops. Now. It's just commonplace and now. Mm-hmm. How, yeah, like how does that happen? Was it just because the world's mixed? Like Aang and and Zuko kind of open up the borders. Well, I think that. Uh, well, okay, remember in Avatar The Last Airbender, um, the firebenders were kind of 
committing genocide against benders. Yep. That's yeah. true. That's mm-hmm. true. So now the world is at peace. And so we've had an opportunity to advance a lot. And mm-hmm. all the bender nations, I suppose, are kind of flourishing. So it's, um, and of course, Toph invented metal bending. And mm-hmm. she had a prominent place in society. So I guess she passed her knowledge on. So, you know, we're, we're like decades after Avatar yeah. The Last Airbender. So I'm not surprised that knowledge has advanced quite a bit. Yeah, Republic City is also an interesting thing because like this gets mentioned in the comics, not in the show. So I'll just bring it up here. But like Republic City is a former Fire Nation colony, I believe, that did not want to go back to the Earth Kingdom once the war ended. So it is a it's a former colony, essentially, that decided to remain independent and become what would be Republic City. Uh, and it becomes this, I mean, New York is the obvious comparison, but like this sort of independent nation from the other kingdoms. Uh, and so you see a lot of benders going there and learning from each other. And it's sort of that idea that now, like Kat was saying, the fire nation is no longer around, like creating war and suppressing bending. Uh, it's able to flourish. It's able to, to find uh, a home that it maybe did not have before. So I do think that what you would call like the higher tiers of bending are still pretty rare. You have to be like a good bender to do lightning bending and things like that. Yeah. But it is definitely more commonplace, not this like, Oh, one person can do this thing. Yeah. In fact, that's a big uh, part of the show is the conflict between all these benders and there's still people out there who can't bend. And this is a seems to be at least for the first season or the first set of episodes, the main thing, like we're kind of getting right into it. There's a resistance so, that's uh, yeah, they are uh, clearly the, the showrunners. They're the same people clearly uh, sat back and thought about like the stuff that they wanted to tackle with this world. And that yeah. was, you know, an interesting aspect of Avatar, the last airbender that was touched on. Uh, with Katara's brother, whose name escapes me for some reason. Um, I d- didn't really like him, but he was Sokka? the normie. You're talking about Sokka. Sokka, Sokka. yeah. Sokka. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll just remember that he's the Arsenal player. Um, Sokka was uh, the nor- the normie guy, and he had a lot of, you know, hang-ups about he that. Did. But we were mostly got focused a, on... He got a cool sword. Like, you're sorry mm-hmm. you can't mm-hmm. bend. Here's a cool sword. Yay! So in episode three, we're introduced to the Equalists, Equality Now, which is mm. uh, Steve Bloom, an interesting <laughs> uh, uh, shout. And um, the uh, the the char- Okay, so our enemy is a Doctor Doom-looking fellow with um, a mask, I should say, and he is running, leading a Nazi rally or a fascist rally. Uh, clear fascist oh, overtones with the literal Japanese sunburst behind him. Yeah, yeah. I kind of noticed that. That's, Things like that's that. That's one thing. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it uses a lot of imagery. And I think this is maybe one of the points against Korra in season one, especially, is that like they have some ideas they want to evoke, but they kind of just scattershot it. Because like a lot of his stuff is inspired by... Uh, traditional Chinese designs, Korean designs. Uh, the the disc on his forehead is like mm-hmm. Egyptian in nature, and like mm-hmm. uh, there's just kind of a smattering of things. And I think yeah, that's what happens when you're co-opting imagery from different cultures and just mashing it together haphazardly. Yeah, and I do think that like 
part of the idea was that they wanted to show what would happen if the world was coming together in a place like this, because yeah. Avatar Last Airbender was really good about developing like the ways in which those cultures felt distinct from each other. So Republic City feels a little bit different because it's like what happens when they all come together? What happens when they're all in one place and building this colony into modern New York? Uh, and I it's up and down there is what I'll say. So but here's a I question do... that you kind of hit that. I'm curious to see where they go with this because mm-hmm. I feel weird about the messaging so far with the oh, equalists for, for the equalists that like benders are the the upper class and non benders are looked down two upon. Ways that the bender nation is actually an apartheid state in which benders have special privileges and special rights and are oppressing the masses. Mm-hmm. and they're rising up except they're being treated as the villains of the piece or you can look at it as a genocide situation which is kind of where it's going with because at the in episode three you can see that the main villain can seal their chakra as ang did to the emperor of uh, the mm-hmm. fire bending nation and take away their bending powers i it is not a violent revolution. Well, not in, yeah. it's pretty uh, violent, it's, dude. <laughs> they're they're yeah, taking away. People. They don't want to like kill benders. They want to take benders power away and uh-huh. like basically remove bending from the equation. Well, you know, uh, the Republicans don't want to kill transgender people. They just want to make it literally impossible uh, for them to be trans. They're just taking away their health care. But like is like, do you consider bending I guess it it depends on how you view bending, right? Is this like a fundamental part of the self or is it a power that is bequeathed to some and not bequeathed? It kind of reminds me of, uh, I never really been read much of the golden compass, but I do know there's a whole thing about the, how children have, everyone has a demon. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you take that away from them, which the church wants to, because of course it's not exactly subtle series, uh, that can kind of, it's part of yourself and you can kind of go insane as I understand it. If your demon is taken from you golden compass we could spend a lot of time talking about that and i think the symbolism there is a little bit different i do think i, I think daniel just said this but like bending to the non-benders is sometimes seen as a privilege that some are born with and some are not um like mm-hmm. like in general the ability like okay you're born with the ability to just make fire whenever that's you want fire. like that's that's just cool and then the people who don't have that are going to be like i want I want to be able to bend fire. So there is there is that level, but there's also the level of like bending can also be used by the triple threat triad as they show yeah. to like oppress people. They do to, mention people have been like yeah. oppressed, had their places yeah. burned down and stuff. That is that is maybe one interesting thing that I don't know if we really get into here, but like the idea that weaponry is evolving. I think in season by the end of season one, we'll get into that. But like the idea that technology is starting to do the things that traditionally only bending could so like in avatar last airbender weapons like like physical weapons of war were still very like swords staffs bows that sort of thing guns could be a thing in Korra. i don't think guns are ever a thing in Korra, but guns could be a thing in Korra, and like that's Mm -hmm. uh we're kind of getting there. And I think in the next set of episodes, we'll start to get to some of that stuff. But like the idea that the non-benders are starting to find ways to 
even the odds i mean we saw like they're using the tie lead chi blocking yeah. in fighting with the benders like that is more prevalent guys that's that not just the, the, uh, the thing. lightning pack he's got yeah, the taser pack going on the yeah. taser things yeah. it's just like oh when he when he sticks them no wait no that's a different i'm not gonna say that that's a different episode i think it's the next set of episodes he's shocking them he manages to shock yeah uh, he, the buddies. he does some cool he does cool stuff with that is all i'll say they do cool martial arts they got technology on their side yeah anyway. i would well, what I'll say is like the equalists have the equalists. some mixed they, they have some mixed <laughs> messaging, but I think the general idea is pretty like intriguing and sure. Like coming out of Avatar Last Airbender, we saw some of it, right? Like the the way that firebenders uh yeah. would, would oppress people in, in Zuko alone was like that was one of the main things about that, and Earthbenders too. And so I think this feels like an evolution of that, that when all these people come together, they're going to look at the power dynamics between those people and ask, like, is there something wrong here? And then a charismatic figurehead like Amon can quickly turn that into a revolution. So, well, let's find out, shall we? We have lots more episodes of Summer of Korra. Episodes four, five and six are next week. And then at the end of the month, we're going to do our wrap up the first season summer of Korra for our patrons excited to be getting into this one i have to say the art of summer of uh of legend of Korra is mm, wow mm. what a step up from avatar the last year mm, yeah it's quite the a animation too the the mm-hmm. fights are, are so fights well are really well choreographed yeah. so where well done yeah all right nadia take us home So this week is The Legend of Zelda. Yay! And I am actually, this actually might be a nook for the first time in a long time. I am going to do a thing where I go with my own two feet to the store and pick up the game early, which I have not done since I was, oh dear God, like this was going to be the same store where I got Ocarina of Time like so many years ago. And it's in a mall. And I remember distinctly like that day when I picked up Ocarina of Time. I uh, called in and they answered the phone saying, EB Games, yes, we have Ocarina of Time. I'm like, yeah. So <laughs> I went there. I skipped the rest of the day to, uh, of my school to like go over there and like pick up Ocarina of Time. I got a really bad t-shirt with it. There's a picture of me wearing that t-shirt with like, I'm playing Game Boy and I'm about to go on a, on a plane. So it, it was a cute picture. But yeah, it's just kind of exciting in a way because my I was going to download it because I've been so lazy lately. Like, oh, I'll just download the game when it comes out. And my husband said, no, I already pre-ordered it. It's got to be picked up. I'm like, oh, I got to go outside. But then I realized... I got the collector's edition coming in the mail, baby. I don't know if he got the collector's <laughs> edition, but it is going to be interesting like to go to a store and pick up the game when I'm so used to delivery. Like if you get a physical copy or you get like just a download, it's like I'm from the generation where you had to take a card for a Nintendo game and bring it up to the nice man behind the, I don't know if it was bulletproof or what, but the nice man behind the booth and get your game that way. So that's kind of a nostalgic memory that I am excited to revisit. I'm kind of reg- probably going to regret it because I'll be like, oh, my back, oh, my feet. Remember like, Midnight oh, Launch Parties? Wasn't that fun? I will mm-hmm. never do another one. Mm-hmm. I did do it actually for the Switch and for mm-hmm. uh, the Breath of the Wild because I wrote about it for US Gamer. I know, I article. sent you. <laughs> yeah that's right it was that's the only reason i do went a diary it was fun yeah it was fun it was a good a good article you should read it it's over on 
who adopted us. VG247. VG so yeah. it's, it's still there. I'll look it up like my, I think I called it like my journey to get my uh, Switch or whatever. I remember they were playing over the, the PA, like Welcome to the Machine by Pink Floyd. I'm like, yeah, this tracks. I, um, I remember when Ocarina of Time came out and a good friend of mine got it like day one. And I went over to his house and watched him play it. And I was like, this doesn't look that good. <laughs> I mean, it was like baby <laughs> like, like going dad. through the deco tree, which is actually one of my least favorite areas of the game. Yeah, it's not a good start, I think. And I pretty and he <laughs> I sat and watched him quietly for a while. And I realized he, he he's just going to be playing this game. So I ended up leaving. But mm. um, mm-hmm. some years later, Twilight Princess comes out. I'm living in Japan at this time, and I asked my friend to pick up a copy and mail it to me, the GameCube Mm. version. Um, And I had to wait several agonizing days for the, for, I used to, that was how I got games at this time because, you know, it was no real digital downloads. I had to buy everything physically. So I would have, I would buy a game and ship it to my friend and they would ship it to me in Japan. Right. Um, but we got Twilight Princess in the mail. It was great. My partner and I took turns. Uh, she would be playing f- to a certain point. She'd be like, I'm here. And I, and then she would go and do something else. And I would play for like a couple hours. And we were taking turns because we didn't want to spoil each other on any of the puzzles. <laughs> and nice. had a blast. We both 100%ed it. And for a long time, like I had really fond memories. I still have really fond memories of Twilight Princess. It was a great time. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Tears of the Kingdom and uh, feel like a kid again in many respects. And I don't yeah. get that feeling as often as I used to. So actually, when we brought home Ocarina of Time, I did play it for like the whole day I to the point that I finally snapped out of it after the first deco tree. And I said, oh, I was supposed to put on dinner. The dogs are supposed to be walked. Uh, God knows I haven't even touched my homework. And then the next day, me and this other kid, Taylor, like we're going out of our minds talking about this game to the point where we nearly got kicked out of history class because we wouldn't shut up. Yeah, like I Zelda has been on and off for me, but like I remember in 2017 waiting for the truck to show up with my switch and my copy of Breath of the yeah. Wild and my Link Amiibo. Uh, I have and the Amiibo too. I oh, I still I got him. He's right here. He's he's sitting on my uh, desk. Nice. He's, yeah. he's ready for he's going to have a friend, too, because I got the hand Amiibo, the <laughs> Link's hand Amiibo. The Link's hand. Uh, just a chopped uh, off hand sitting yeah. there. I also got this little guy. He's he's ready too. Uh, I didn't like that's... I didn't like the remake of Link's Awakening, but I got the amiibo. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Um, but uh, yeah, no, this I I cannot wait to explore this world. I was just having that moment, reliving like playing back through Breath of the or Breath of the Wild, uh, and remembering just like what it felt to explore Hyrule for the first time to like see a dragon flying in oh, the air and be like, I'm going to stab that dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stab it. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and like, Oh, there's, mm, there's something about this new version of Zelda. I know some people don't like open world Zelda, yada, yada, yada. But like, there's something about the feeling of exploration that I get from it that I don't think any other open world game has captured yet. And I cannot wait for that in tears of the kingdom. 
it's like it's like still evolving the way that games are created and made the way that mm-hmm. they just yeah. redefine that formula and even so, so now people are still discovering things that you can do in breath of the wild that <laughs> six years later didn't know but yeah yeah i uh, mean this is such a special series i didn't even get introduced to it myself like i remember way back then um we had to watch my cousin uh every other week because uh, their family was working and they could there was no one else to watch her and she saw that I had an N64. So I think she she just kind of not stole, but, but borrowed the Ocarina of Time copy that her brother had. And we, we were playing that together. I wasn't allowed to play it because I guess it wasn't mine. So I wasn't allowed. I was just watching her <laughs> play the whole time. But that's how I got introduced to Zelda. And eventually I, I bought a used copy. Uh, Majora's Mask was the first one I actually played myself all the way through. Mm-hmm. And it was it was scary. <laughs> it was like. Because it, it's such a deviation from even then the, the the Zelda formula at the time, even even now. Um, but it's one of my favorite games, Majora's Mask, and uh, I'm just excited for you know. It's exciting whenever this this era of this energy of a Zelda game is going to come out, and especially when it's like it's the, it's the sequel to one of the best games that some people have ever played. And yeah, it's just I'm excited to have this this in my hands. I have this little guy with me still. The little 8-bit oh, Link the, Amiibo. He's all, yeah, like the 8-bit Link Amiibo. That's cute. I've got the Wind Waker one. Uh, yeah, not Wind Waker. Um, what was that game? Uh, Link's Awakening. I got the Link's yeah. Awakening one. Yeah, that's my favorite Link's Ami- Link Amiibo. Yeah, little um, guy. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. That's a great one. Wow, uh, your your point is well taken. A Zelda game does not come out every day. They only come mm. out every few mm. years, and when it does... It, it just goes to show that annualization can rob you of so much of the joy. Do you remember how much joy and excitement we all felt when a new Star Wars was coming out? Isn't that great? Mm, yeah, sometimes remember it's when okay we not Star Wars. To, <laughs> sometimes it's okay to have to wait a while between uh, big releases. It's cool. And wow, you know, Tears of the Kingdom's out this week. We'll be back to talk about it and everything here on Acts of the Blood God. We're all going to be excited. I'm sure that we're going to be talking all about it for quite a while but until then that's the end of this week's episode of acts of the blood god thank you so much for listening i have been your host cat bailey you can follow me on twitter at the underscore catbot nadia is at nadia oxford and eric is at cmozy s-e-a-m-o-o-s-i daniel thanks so much for coming on the show where can we find you one more time thank you for having me uh, you can find me on twitter as well at evernight studio where you can find all my little ramblings and the uh, graphic design that I do every now and then I'll upload like little things I do for GVG or just for myself. Wonderful. And if you want to support us on podcast on Patreon for just $1, you can get onto our discord and get episodes ad free That's patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. And we are selling mugs, shirts, and other merch over at shop.bloodgodpod.com. We're heading over to the post-show with the Stars of Destiny. Please look forward to that one if you are at the Stars of Destiny tier. But otherwise, we'll be back next week. Talk about Tears of Kingdom. Can't wait. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, Daniel, myself, thanks for listening, and happy adventuring. Mm-hmm.